Hello and welcome to Blistering Barnacles, which is a Tintin fan podcast. And I'm one of your hosts, Andrew, and this is the other host. Hamish. Hey, Hamish. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? Good. Do you want to tell the listeners how old you are? I'm 11. You're 11. And you're a Tintin fan? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Tintin fan also. <laughs> your middle name is Tintin. It's actually true. I changed yeah. it legally yeah. to Tintin uh, about 15 years ago because I'm such a fan. Do you think that you got your interest in Tintin books from where? Me? You, probably. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have so many of them. I've got them dating back from when I first read them Yeah. in the 1970s to the present day. Yeah. And we've got, do we have every Tintin album? Yeah, and some in other languages as well. What have we got in other languages? We've got The Shooting Star in um, Flemish. I think. Have we really? I think so, in yeah. Flemish? Yeah. Um, and we've got a, bell. a couple in French as well. Yeah. We've got Tintin in the Congo in French because I was only able to get it in French in the first instance. And we've got the last album that was never completed. Tintin and Alpha. You can buy that at any bookstore. It's more common than Tintin in the Congo. Yeah. But I've, we've got it in French and English because I purchased oh, yeah, it in yeah. Paris in 1998. Yeah. But then we got a copy later in English. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll get on to that um, at some point. We've also got some asterisks in other languages as well. We've got every asterisk except for like some of the Uderzo written ones. But Yeah, and yeah. some of the newer ones. Yeah. But asterisks is for another day and a completely different um, experience yeah. for, um, for the reader. Um, so what's the point of our podcast? Well, this series breaks down like each of their albums in um, when they were first published in English. Yeah, or finally published in yeah. English. So we're not going to talk about like the original French versions, which might yeah. have appeared in, um, say, Le Petit Ventième, which was the original magazine. Yeah, and Le Soir. Le Soir, yeah. which was the newspaper that... Which he wrote for during the, well, during yeah. the war. Yeah. And some say that Hergé was a... Nazi collaborator. Did you know this? Because yeah, the, but he just did it so he could get work. So yeah, he but didn't then want to lose his work during some, World War Two. Yeah. yeah, but some people are critical of him of that, aren't they? Mm, they are. Yeah, I'm not really going to talk that much about Hergé or Georges Remy. Um, and rather than we're going to work through each of the the albums, but we're not going to do it chronologically. So we're not going to start with Tintin in the Land of the Soviets, which we won't do at all. No, it's so, so bad. Dumb. Yeah. <laughs> do you notice though in Tintin in the Land of the Soviets, it's like on the very first page, you see how his hair is flat. Yeah, is and flat. it peaks up when he's driving too fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's got that kind of chaotic adventure feel where it's just sort of leaping from one thing to another. Yeah. Um, and so we're not going to start there. We're not going to start with the first kind of proper album, which yeah, was Tintin in the Congo. Yeah. Which is not widely available anyway. No, I didn't get a hold of um, a copy of Tintin in the Congo until I was actually like well into my 20s because it, it was never published in English when I was a, a child yeah. and I managed to get a copy in French, which I couldn't really read. Well, um, yeah. I, mean, I could read a little bit of French, yeah. but um, yeah, I yeah. couldn't understand it. There's a lot of differences in – have you read the Tintin in the Congo? Yeah. And have you – I've, I've glanced at the pictures of the French version mm. and there are differences – yeah, like, like where he's drilling the hole in the rhino. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one about? He um in it he just like shoots the rhino, but in the French version he le- leans down from a tree, he drills a hole in the rhino, sticks a piece of dynamite in it, and detonates it. Yeah, but 
Is that when he goes on that he goes on that bender, doesn't he, Tintin, where he's kind of just like goes out. And he shoots fifteen antelopes. <laughs> That's right. He lays waste to, to the Congo, yeah. 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 And and lectures the um the, the local Congolese about Yeah. Anyway, he changed a lot. Um and in well, this we'll discuss the artwork characters, best haddock moment and the geography. And this episode is devoted to Tintin and the Picaros. Yeah. Why have we started with Tintin and the Picaros? Because this is well, quite a controversial album. A lot of people think it's an outlier. Uh, I, it sort of is, but it's still my one of my favourites, or if not my favourite in total. Um, and that's because, like, I really like the artwork. It's come a long way since <laughs> Land of the Soviets, where it's all black and white, and even since the last albums. Um, and the storyline is, like, quite good, and I like how he returns to San Theodoros. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of villains, so you can see Colonel Spons again. There's um, the doctor from The Broken Ear. Rodwell. Yeah, Dr. Ridgewell. Ridgewell, Ridgewell yep. yeah. Um, there's Pablo, who's evil in this, and even in the um, early stages of the book, Nesta can be seen eavesdropping on Tintin and Haddock. So a lot has changed. And also uh, Bianca Castafore returns. <laughs> so Urge's <laughs> old nemesis. Yeah, we'll get into all of the um, characters. So you kind of, you've you've rated it as your number one, which is why we're going One of my number ones, yeah. First. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely in my top five. Yeah. I'd probably put it about number five. I won't give my big reveal for what my favourite one is. <laughs> Will we do that next episode? Coke and Stock. <laughs> which is the French name for my favourite one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll do Coke and Stock next. Yeah. Uh, or the other popular hipster's choice for number one is always um, Calculus Affair. Calculus Affair's okay. I'd put it like third or fourth favourite. Yeah, it's like a Jason Bourne movie. It's a kind of glorified <laughs> chase thing without the elements. Yeah. So we are going to break down um, uh, Tintin and the Picaros. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. So this section is background briefing, where we talk a little bit about the context of this particular album, why it showed up, and when it was first published, and things like that. So can you tell me, Hamish, what you know about when it was first published and all that kind of stuff? Well, this was first published in English um, in Great Britain in 1976. Uh, so it's quite not that um, long ago compared to some of his really early albums. Yeah. Um, and it was released in episodic form in Tintin magazine um, starting in late 1975. Yeah. So Hergé in French would publish the original stories in in Tintin magazine. So you said earlier he used to do it in um, Le Petit Ventième and then yeah. after the war they started Tintin magazine. Yeah. And so they would publish like two pages at a time. So kids in France yeah. could get the, the magazine and, and read each adventure. Would it take would it take nearly like half a year to, for the whole thing to come out, wouldn't it? Something like that. Yeah, it would take quite a long time because each album this in is the end, 62 pages long. 62. Though some of the earlier adventures were longer and they truncated them yeah, for album um, form. Yeah, like some, uh, a lot of the uh, original French ones were actually 200 pages long or something and they just compressed them down and um, republished them in French and published them in English. Oh, right. So there's a lot of, um, you know, 
Tintin in the Congo, Cigars of the Pharaoh of the Blue Lotus, that no one that speaks English um, that has doesn't have the French albums, original ones, has never seen before. Yeah, right. Oh, that's interesting. You yeah. can see, see also, too, with some of those albums when they were released in English, they actually kind of redid some of the artwork. I know that they redid the Black Island, a lot of the artwork. Yeah. Same with... Um, and Black Gold was done three times, and um, I was looking at a book, and the, it had changed so much from the first edition in French to the current English one. Is Land of Black God where Haddock doesn't turn up until the very end? They draw yeah, him in. Because, that, um, yeah, because when it was first published, it was before Crab with the Golden Claws when he hadn't appeared yet. Yeah, right. And at the end, he's just like Abdul is being annoying to him. He appears for one or two frames. Yeah, that's quite interesting. And yeah. you can see that variation in the artwork in, say, Blue Lotus, where it goes to kind of weird sweaty Tintin after a while, you know, that yeah. kind of early Tintin where he's yeah. kind of always bent over and tiny yeah. and sweat's coming yeah. from his face. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so this first turned up in English in 1976, having been released in Tintin magazine from September 1975. Yeah. It had been quite a few years before, you know, since the previous Tintin adventure, which was Flight 714. Four to Sydney, yeah. 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 So, which I, I think is... An album that's kind of largely unsuccessful in a lot of ways. I don't mind Flight 714, but, um, like, I, I know a lot of people dislike it. Yeah, it totally jumps the shark at the end yeah. of that alien nonsense. But oh, when, yeah, the alien the alien part at the end is a bit weird. But. Yeah. But the, one of the things about Tintin and the Picaros is that I remember it turning up in English as a child, and I was already a fan. So I first the very first Tintin I read was... Uh, Prisoners of the Sun in and 1978. Didn't you say you like um, you saw it in the? You always go, went to read in the doctor's office. Oh, I used to read a different Tintin in the doctor's office. Oh yeah, which I can't remember which one it was. But the first one that I owned was Prisoners of the Sun. Yeah. Um, but then you know by the time Picaros came out, I was a fan, so I was really excited because it represented to me a new yeah adventure. And the interesting part about this one is that Tintin is completely absent from page nine page 21, and he's um, reluctant to show up. He's also uh, seen wearing, um, doing yoga at the start. That's right. <laughs> and Snowy's <laughs> doing the yoga with him. Is he? Yeah. I didn't notice that in the picture. Oh, really? Um, he's also riding a scooter, which he's been never seen before, and he's wearing different pants. And um, in the start of the Harry Thompson book about Tintin, the first sentence is, of the Tintin the Picaros section, the first thing anyone noticed was the pants. Because he's wearing flared trousers. You can see it on the front cover. Yeah. And, in fact, it's the only adventure in which he's not wearing his patented Well, there's, like, um, Tintin in Tibet, he, Tintin in Tibet, he doesn't wear his regular clothing because most of the time he's in a big, like, jacket and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does get into different... Um, but at the start, he's seen wearing yeah. what he normally wears. Yeah. All that stuff about yoga and there's a, quite a lot of nods to popular culture, particularly 70s culture. Like, there's that yeah. band... The Jolly called, Follies. No, the Dripping Tap. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, they arrive at the yeah. the Dripping Tap, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So, that's the background context to this particular book. Um, and in, I think in a lot of ways, it's the, it's that Stuff like the modernisation of Tintin, yeah. him doing yoga, his reluctance to travel. Mm -hmm. Can you explain, to the best of your knowledge, if you know it all, why he was reluctant to travel? Um, well, I think this is just why Hergé was tired of doing Tintin. He didn't want to do it. And some question whether Tintin and Alpha was ever even going to be mm. finished, um, but he felt like he had to mm. and because there was really no ends to Tintin. Yeah. Oh. 
Cool. All right. That's the conclusion of this section, background briefing. Next, we come back with geography. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Okay, welcome back to our section on Tintin geography. All right, Hamish, I'm going to give you three questions you have to answer. What is the capital of San Theodoros? Well, it's called Los Dipicos during um, the Broken Era. Yes. But under General Tapioca, it's called Tapiocopolis or Viva Tapioca. Actually, Viva is, is, is Spanish for long live, so that's oh, that sign oh, of Viva. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then after the coup, um, General Alcazar returns it to... Uh, well, I of course, think it, it lost Tapiocos again, doesn't it? Yeah, but it also, you can, at the end, when um, in the final frame, when, no, second final frame, because the final one is the end, um, when the plane is flying over and Calculus is saying, me too, but with a little mustard, if you please, um... You can see a sign just in the background that says Viva Alcazar. Viva Alcazar. And it's almost identical to the frame on page nine, except it says Viva Tapioca. Yeah, which, which kind of suggests that nothing changed between the old regime and the new regime. I think that's the yeah, point. Yeah, I think of... Viva, um, sorry, uh, General Alcazar is still a, also a bit of a tyrant. Yeah, he is. All right, so how many times and in which albums does Tintin go to Latin America? He goes in The Broken Ear and Tintin the Picaros. Those are both San Theodoros. But yes. in... Um, which is a fictional country, but in Prisoners of the Sun, he goes to Peru, which obviously is a real country. Yes. So, so three times. Three times. And Seven Crystal Balls is kind of the long setup, isn't it? Yeah, because most, that's... most of Seven Crystal Balls is in Tintin, uh, where Tintin lives. I think it's Belgium. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of unnamed European country. Yeah. Um, which most likely is... is Belgium um, or France. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he'd been to San Theodorus... San Theodoros in the 1930s in Broken Ear. But when he returns, yeah. it's like the early 70s. Well, even though um, Tintin never ages, so it's probably only a matter of months apart yeah, in the- Tintin, like kind of uh, chronological and Tintin lore and stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting sort of socio-political contextual things about this is that there had been a, um, a revolution in Chile yeah. in 1973 with Pinochet and um, then there was also, you know, this book was quite sort of prescient because there was a military coup in Argentina in 1976, the very same time Picross yeah. came out. So it's almost like this sense of political instability. And, and- I think the reason he used San Theodoros is because he wanted to voice what he thought about politics without being censored in countries. Yeah, right. Is that a, is that a fact? Uh, that's just my No, that's, that's quite a good summation. It's a kind of political commentary, which is what Hergé did in the later albums. Yeah. Yeah, really. All right. Let's just briefly reference the art. I love the art in Tintin the Picaros. It's, yeah. It's kind of the best of the best drawing. Um, well, because now Bob Demore is doing most of the drawing and – um, for the backgrounds and stuff. So the backgrounds are getting more and more detailed up to this point in the book. Um, yeah. Up to the, yeah. So do you want to explain to the listeners who Bob Demore is? Well, Bob Demore was uh, Hergé's, like, um, his most his main artwork yeah. um, person, even though he had a lot of artists. Uh, Bob Demore was the main one. Almost every background in the later books are uh, done by Bob Demore and not Hergé. But in the earlier books, someone called E.P. Jacobs um, coloured Hergé's. So Hergé just did the black and white drawings and E.P. Jacobs would colour them. Uh, but 
E.P. Jacobs and Hergé had a falling out, but then in the later books, E.P. Jacobs returns to help Hergé. So a lot Bob Demore and E.P. Jacobs works together on this book, and what makes the artwork so detailed is them. All right, yeah, I knew. So Bob Demore was like responsible for backgrounds, and he would go to places and photograph them to kind of render yeah. that like, photorealism in the art. And he was much better at background art than Hergé. Hergé, so yeah. Much better backgrounds as the albums go on and on. You see that in Calculus Affair or Red Sea Sharks, something yeah. like that. Yeah. In fact, they wanted Bob Demore to finish Tintin and Alpha, Alpha art, but didn't he they? didn't want to. I don't. Yeah. I don't know if his writing skills were as good as his um, drawing skills. Yeah, maybe his drawing of the characters is not so strong. Yeah. All right, we've covered off geography, art. After this little interlude, we'll come back and we will talk about the characters. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, reviennent. Welcome back. So we will talk about the characters now. This is kind of like, a, as Harry Thompson says in his, his fantastic unauthorized biography about Hergé, this is kind of like a hit list of characters isn't yeah. it so it's the coming together of every character it's almost like Hergé wanted this to be the last one and as I said earlier he had no intention of finishing Alpha Art yeah so we've got we've got Haddock who's in usual Haddock form we'll talk about him a little bit <laughs> um Calculus is kind of this annoying hanger on like I don't think he brings anything in particular though he's got those tablets that make the oh um, yeah he helped Alcazar because they make the whiskey disgusting so which whiskey's kind of disgusting anyway. <laughs> well, he stops the Picaros from getting drunk and yeah. helps Alcazar yeah. um, overcome tapioca. We've got um, we've got Alcazar who comes back, who's kind of more an ambiguous character. He's sort of always been, because um, in the Red Sea Sharks, he's working for the like baddies. And yeah, not- he's straight evil, and yeah. he's cagey. Is it in Seven Crystal Balls where he's the knife thrower? He's very yeah. cagey. Yeah. We've got um, we've got. Some real throwbacks to the time in um, some real throwbacks to the time in uh, from Broken Ear. So we've got some. We've got Pablo. Pablo comes back. Yeah. And you were saying he's evil in this one. Well, he helps Tintin, but then he also doesn't help him. Like he tries to kill him, but then he's quite apologetic. Yeah. Um, the Thompson twins are useless as usual in this. <laughs> um, they're about to get uh, killed. And then Tintin, Haddock, and Alcazar, they're in that big float and, yeah. That's right. They're going to be shot by firing squad. Now, the Thompsons, they're not twins. They're not even related. <laughs> no, this is true. I know, I know. But it's just, like, weird because they look exactly the same. But they do look exactly the same. Their last names are even, spelt different. Yeah, DuPont and DuPont in French or yeah. Thompson and Thompson, Thompson yeah. with a P. And but they look the same because I think Hergé was kind of, like, it was a metacriticism. Yeah. Um, Alcazar... He's there, and one of his interesting – who's that? His his partner, what's her uh, name? Peggy. Peggy. She's this kind yeah. of um, ball-breaking kind of stereo – very stereotypically represented sort of 1970s feminist, and yeah. at one point Alcazar's wearing an apron and doing the dishes, and it's kind of like this sort of swipe, I think, at women's rights. I think it's yeah. – um, unfortunately, it shows the kind um, of – Limitations of Hergé. And Nestor is even seen um, eavesdropping on Tintin and Haddock at the start. Yeah, Nestor's breaking bad. <laughs> Though, the very, very first adventure, he's 
Yeah, he turns up in. He's is... well. He just kind of came with the um with Marlon Spike Hall. So That's right. he was working for the Bird Brothers, but he also helped stop the Bird Brothers by like hitting them over the head with the glass bottle. Yeah, that's true. And of course, uh, Jolly on Wag, he's there. <laughs> now, there's some debate. So if you look on the internet, it's it's pronounced. Some people say Joe Lyon, which is not right, but Jolly on Wag, my favourite. Well, character. yeah, is it? It's not much of a common name, so. No, it might be in French. I'm not sure, and I'm sure our French listeners will. Um, if we have any <laughs> <laughs> listeners in French, okay. Um, we're going to wrap up this in a minute when we come back and we talk about our favourite Captain Haddock moment. Chaque année à Paris, les gens de tous les pays viennent, So, my favourite Haddock moment is. Uh, on page 41 of the album in English, where there's Peggy's come out and sort of been introduced for the first time as this kind of cranky... Um, <laughs> kind of tyrant. Like, tyrant, person. dumpy looking, um, which is this kind of negative representation of, of feminism. And she says to Alcazar, are you coming, Alcazar? And he says, yes, my dove. And he looks completely... <laughs> broken and then Alcazar <laughs> says to Haddock she seems a little uh, brisk on first acquaintance but she really has a heart of gold and Haddock puts his hand on Alcazar's shoulder and says of course General One sees it immediately <laughs> <laughs> I just love that yeah the, the beautiful humor in that but also it's kind of because Haddock veers between being like deeply compassionate and, and a bit bonkers and a bit sometimes bonkers drunks and, and yeah cranky but this is one of those those tender moments where he's just you know yeah the kind of the, the most human face yeah. of Tintin. so that brings to a conclusion this episode of blistering barnacles i'm one of your hosts andrew and i'm your other host hamish and we will be back next time to talk about adventure uh, second ranked adventure which will be i think Red Sea Sharks. What do you reckon? Sure. Sounds cool. good. Thanks so much for listening.